You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It's Friday the 21st of April. Spring has turned once again to winter. I'm talking to you from a grey, damp, cold Newbury racecourse on day one of this Greenham meeting, Dubai Duty Free Greenham meeting. We've got the two big trials tomorrow, the Greenham and the Fred Darling and an excellent afternoon's racing today. We'll be looking ahead to those races during the course of today's show. We'll be reflecting on all the excellent action from the Craven meeting. I'll be talking to Carl Burke, who trained yesterday's Craven Stakes winner, Indestructible, continuing an amazing week for Ammo Racing. I'll also be talking to Chris Richardson, Supremo of Cheveley Park Stud, who stand Ulysses, the sire of Passenger, who made a sparkling debut in the colours of the Niarchos family for Sir Michael Stout yesterday. Also be looking ahead to tomorrow's Coral Scottish Grand National in the company of trainer Alistair Ralph, who has high hopes of providing his stable with their biggest ever success. And later in the programme, I'll be catching up with Mick Murphy ahead of the Goffs Breeze Up sale next week in Doncaster as the Breeze Up season rolls on a pace. But first today, you will be familiar by now with the change that is set to take place in the structuring of British horse racing with the idea not only that the fixture list becomes a bit more streamlined but that the premium days Saturdays and the BHA in the industry hopes eventually Sundays become decluttered to use their parlance to showcase the very best fixtures primarily on network television now this has had some knock-on consequences and you heard from Bill Farnsworth, the chief executive of Musselburgh, a couple of weeks ago, who was a little uneasy, a little unhappy about what this might mean for smaller independent courses and the race going public. Now, this may have a knock-on effect on on-course bookmakers. Paul Garrity is one such on-course bookmaker who has written to the British Horse Racing Authority to express his concern. And Paul joins me on the line now. Paul, what's, what's worrying you from what you've seen half-proposed already? Already, I've seen that the only there seems to be this, which I quite agree with. That you know, the bigger races on the Saturday should be highlighted further. I, I fully appreciate that, but the problem is that they're talking about only having three afternoon meetings starting as what we've called historically a normal time, i.e., half past one, two o'clock, quarter past two, and there's talk about putting them to like a morning fixture or a, a matinee, which to me. Uh, neither really work. Morning fixes we tried probably 20 years ago, Nick. You probably remember when they brought that banded race. I do. In, in I do. Absolute, it just no go. It never appealed to anyone. Uh, my worry is, I mean, we all can remember like 15, 20 years ago, the dog tracks were thriving with evening fixtures, plenty of spectators. Now tracks have closed. It's absolutely the, the, the sport has gone downhill, which is sad to see. You know, I understand there's too many fixtures, but Saturday is the key day for for us all. You know, we are the third biggest spectator sport, and you know the crowds moving them to sort of half past ten, eleven o'clock in the morning. How is that going to encourage any spectators to attend? Uh, I've spoke to several of the smaller tracks, uh, including those at Kelso, Hexham, and First uh, Weatherby, and they're all concerned that they may lose their key fixtures, which is just, it's not fair in any way whatsoever. What about twilight fixtures, particularly on Saturdays, particularly in the summer? So fixtures, say, starting at 3.34 o'clock, as they quite often do in Ireland. 
Yeah, I, I, I can see. I can see that what I think that they should propose is rather than just go all guns blazing, is maybe that they should say try it on say five or six Saturdays and try that last switch fixtures. You know, obviously the fourth or fifth Saturday fixture would probably be the one that would, would you know have to go on that. I, I, I could see that you know maybe trying that as a trial and see how it went, but then the feedback back. But I certainly don't think they should just be going ahead and just saying you know they're really letting the little courses out. You know, this is just not fair at all. Like. And so how will that impact on you personally and your industry, do you think? Just give me a, give me a picture in the round of, of, what the, of what the on-course bookmakers feel about such a move. All the colleagues that I've spoke to, uh, those with you know, pictures at the bigger tracks and the smaller tracks, they all feel this isn't the way forward. You know what I mean? Now, I mean, I attend midweek probably more than most people. I understand it's not as good as it, as it was. And it's difficult, but certainly the Saturdays, have, to be fair, Nick, they have stood up pretty good, to be fair, at all courses. And some of our smaller courses, they get really good attendances on the Saturday. And, and are the are the public betting? That's the key, isn't it? So you're you're standing on course on a Saturday at say the third, fourth, or fifth meeting of the day, wherever it happens to be. And yeah, there's a big Saturday crowd. There's a you know there's a big away day crowd. But but is there a, is there a good punting crowd? Are people betting with you? And are you seeing the turnover to keep your business going that you need to see from that section of the race going public? Yes, Nick, I can honestly say, you know, to be fair as well, you know, we, we take cash and card and one of the most promising things that I've noticed is there is very, very little bets that we personally take on card. It's really great that people do bet in cash. And to be fair, our business has been all right. You know, the last couple of years, I, I can't complain. You know, but obviously we've, you know, our busiest days are i.e. Saturdays and the odd evening fixture and the bank holidays. You know, and uh, we really need to be encouraging people people to come. I mean, some of the student days have been good. I mean, they have actually, and I, you know, I'm not one for knocking them at all. I think this is a great innovation that they've tried to, to get younger people to come. And, you know, I, I think, this, you know, the way forward is to try and attract people to come when they can come at the key time, starting a meeting at half past 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. I mean, also you've got to remember that racing puts a lot of money into the community, uh, you know, not just everything, pubs, restaurants, takeaways, petrol stations, everybody gets a slice of the, of the cake when a race meeting's on. Putting that, you know, for some of these smaller towns, they're really going to suffer. Paul, I appreciate your time. I know you've written to the BHA. What have they come back with? They've come back with, the, you know, the usual sort of, we've listened to what you've said, but this is basically what we're going to do, which is a bit disappointing wasn't really pleased with the answer that we got but we'll just keep uh, you know trying to like see what you know if our our colleagues can do something and our associations i'm sure that brba will try and do something and i know that you know speaking last week to two or three of the race courses that they are really like you know concerned that you know this is going to affect them badly and i'm sure they'll be trying i just hope nick that common sense prevails all right, listening to that was the Racing Post writer, Jonathan Harding. Jonathan, it's it's all well and good to have a grand plan. It's only when you start going through the finer detail that you start realising the, the more human impact of it. That won't be lost on the BHA, I'm sure. What did you make of what Paul Garrity had to say there? Well, I thought it was incredibly interesting, Nick, and you touch on it there. There are always going to be unintended consequences 
to these things. And the BHA has to walk quite a delicate tightrope, I feel, between generating betting turnover or creating a fixture list that does that and generates betting turnover with field sizes and all the rest of it, while also trying to fix the issue of declining attendances. And I understand the urge to prioritise the best racing to the shop window, if you will, to give those meetings as much space as possible to generate interest, generate betting interest, get people to the track. But those smaller independent tracks are going to suffer as a result. And I don't feel this premierization of racing should be done at the expense of the smaller tracks. Yes, that is going to be a slight consequence. But you have to th- you have to think a lot of these tracks are going to suffer in terms of attendances if those fixtures are moved, particularly to the morning slot, as as was suggested there. I, I can't see much logic in that. Twilight, I can understand as we go into the summer, and I'd like to see that reviewed on a on a week by week basis, almost to see if that is working in terms of attendances. But it's a difficult balance, isn't it? Because racing is a sport that relies so heavily on betting turnover, but let's not forget it's also a spectator sport. Absolutely. I think the BHA, as things stand at the moment, are gearing up with the industry to present something uh, approaching a, a definitive guide to next year's fixture list to the board. So it's it's a delicate period of time. There's probably an awful lot of people who need um, convincing that this is right for the sport as a whole and not just the the select few. And I would imagine that there's going to be quite a bit of tinkering, revision needed in these, these last few days and weeks to get it absolutely right. And I think they would probably stress that there's no need for alarm at this stage and that if if, if tracks are being asked to shift, it'll be shifting an hour here, an hour there, rather than something more dramatic. But you can quite understand why there's a degree of concern. No, absolutely. And the, and the BHA is in a, in a difficult position in that sense. I don't mistake that for sympathy. It's the job. But there is that balance to strike, as you say, between generating betting interest, catering to people watching on from home and betting with those major bookmakers and those who actually enjoy going on course and boosting attendances and as was mentioned in that in that interview there are loads of it again knock-on effects of people being on course it boosts the local economy it's money going in to hospitality it's it's all sorts of things and it's it is a difficult balance to strike the, the thing is it's a sporting mistake that is also in our sport a a rule break so he's had that mandatory punishment which i'm sure he'll he'll just take on the chin and and try and learn from but it's an unfortunate incident it's one of those it doesn't look particularly good much like an own goal or any other mistake in sport but it's one that he'll pay for now and um i i I was impressed with his interview actually because he looked as you say crestfallen is the perfect word to sum it up as you would be um but he was yeah, I thought he spoke very well, actually. And look, he'll be very embarrassed this morning, but it's one of those things. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know what was going through his head. I, I really don't, but uh, only he does. But I, I guess he didn't see the horse coming up as his inside or didn't appreciate the speed at which the horse coming up as inside was, was closing as he was easing heavily. Anyway, a 28-day ban for Pat Cosgrave. Uh, there'll be a debate whether that, that, that ban is enough it's so difficult, isn't it? Because you're essentially punishing human error. But as as we discussed there, it does stray into 
breaking the rules, the integrity of the sport. And I hate to say this as a betting product, which feels really impersonal, but that is part of it. And actually, it isn't a good look. And if you were one of the people who bat the one to six favourite, you'd like to see the book thrown at him. I'd say 28 days is is fair. All right, Jonathan, let's press on to the, the racing. It's trials week. It's a, a pretty bleak grey Newbury here. It was a broadly quite sunny Newmarket, indestructible, um, demolished his Craven Stakes rivals before the wind and the rain came and swept across East Anglia last evening. Uh, he did so in quite good style. First run for Carl Burke. Is he a meaningful Guineas contender, do you think? Can he put it up to the Bally Doyle duo, to Chaldean and others? I'm not sure he's perhaps based on what we've seen from August Rodan and Chaldean, who's obviously beaten him before in the past. I'm not sure we've seen enough to challenge those big two. And obviously, that's not forgetting Little Big Bear as well. But it was a really good performance and a very good week for Ammo Racing, who seemed to have a whole heap of three-year-old contenders this year for the big races. They seem to have so many horses. We spoke to Keir Jarobchen on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and he was running through a few horses i don't think we even scratched the surface really seven wins from their last 19 runners with five different trainers and they've got an absolute stack of runners over the weekend as well including the returning mojo star the former derby runner-up uh in the in the john porter and an exciting two-year-old today in in calic so um barreling through the through the first part of the season the purple and white silks with their new retained rider Kevin Stott. All right, well, let's uh, let's have a word with the the man of the moment, Carl Burke, winner of the Craven Stakes. Yes, what are you what are you up to at the moment, Carl? Um, literally just on the high more gallops, Nick. Um, just watching a couple of horses, Holloway Boy having a canter. How's how's he doing? He's doing very well. He works in the morning. Um, he'll work uh, with flight plan tomorrow morning, and uh, that'll be his last real good piece of work, I would imagine, for the Guinness. Uh, you've got quite a lot of faith in this horse still, haven't you, Holloway Boy? Uh, he's a horse with a lot of ability. You've just got to, uh, got to see how we work him out on the track, really. I mean, I, I don't think he's... He got labelled a little bit after the after the racing post, the Vertem racing post last year, but um, I just think it was circumstances with the visor on the first time and he was away from the other horses. He's, he's quite a lazy horse at home, so... Um, I think we will revert to the advisor, but it's more for to keep an edge on him rather than him ungenuine, you know. Okay, so you've got him, flight plan who works tomorrow morning, and yesterday's winner, indestructible, all at the moment in the Guineas. Do you want to run them all? I think they all deserve to take the chance at the moment. Flight plan is a definite runner, and um, and and uh, yesterday's winner is a definite runner, and Holloway boy is is on target for it. So yeah, if they all stay sound, I think they'll all run. Obviously, Danny Tudhope in his role with Clipper Logistics would have to ride flight plan, I'm guessing. So, indestructible, you clearly Kevin Stott, that's his ride if Ammo don't have another horse in the race. Who have you got lined up for Holloway Boy? Um, just in discussion with Nick, um, the owner, um, at the moment. Obviously, Clifford Lee's in the pots for that. Um, but I've just got to confirm things with, um, with Nick White. What did you make of yesterday, Carl? Did you did you think the horse needed to improve significantly on his two-year-old form? And uh, even though you didn't train him then, do you feel he has stepped forward? He's definitely um, been working very well, Nick, and um, he's a lovely, lovely, strong, scopy Kodiak. Um, you know, I expected him to, to to run well. He'd been his pieces of work over the last month of just each piece of work he's got better. 
Um, you know, we, we had a little um, cauterisation operation for on him and a couple of little little niggles along the way, but nothing major. And he did miss a couple of weeks of work because of those niggles. And hence, you know, I thought he was he, he maybe was a bit fitter than uh, than I gave him credit for because um, than I thought he was going into the race yesterday. He didn't uh, he didn't lose a hell of a lot of weight, but that said. You know, you never know with uh, with the trials. They're there for trials. I'm, I'm sure. I thought he looked looked fairly fit in the paddock, and um, a few of the others looked uh, looked a little bit burly. So maybe they'll come on. But I, I couldn't have been happier with him yesterday. You know, he's he performed really well. He's very tough, and he saw out the mile really well. So three in the two thousand guineas. You've still got three engaged in the one thousand guineas as well, including Electric Eyes, about whom you spoke very warmly with Tom Stanley on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Is she progressing along the lines that you, you you'd hoped for? Yeah, she worked. She just worked there last slot an hour or so ago. Worked very well. Um, yeah, she's bang on target. She's had a an away day gallop at Newcastle Racecourse um, last week. Um, she looks in great shape. Yeah, very happy with her. And will she be joined at Newmarket by Novakai and Swing Along? Um, that would be a question. Novakai is unlikely to go unless the ground was very soft. But I, I, I favouring stepping her up in trip, and um, so is her owner Shaker Vade. But, you know, she's still in there at the moment. But we've got to have that final discussion with Jacob Bay. But I, I think she'll wait for for the mile and a quarter races, um, maybe the York race for Phillies or... Something like the Musadora, maybe? Uh, sorry? Something like the Musadora, maybe? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Either that or she is in the San Allery on the same week uh, in France, which is move forward that used to be the end of May, but that's now on uh, French Guineas weekend. So the, one of those two races for her, I think. Swing along. She runs tomorrow in the in the old Fred Darling race. Um, she's working really well. The plan at the moment, depending on what happens tomorrow, is possibly to go for French Guineas rather than English Guineas. But that could change after tomorrow. We'll see. Quite a big day for you today at Bath uh, with White Lavender and Fast Response both going in the Whitsbury Manor Stud EBF Lansdowne Stakes. It's a listed race. They're pretty much first and second favourite. Which one's got the better chance? I'd have to both both love the soft ground, so any rain will uh, be a positive for both. If it was six furlongs, I'd definitely be going with fast response. But over five, white lavenders, she she looks as though she's got stronger through the winter and and quicker. She's in great form. I, I'd be surprised if fast response could beat her over five. All right, Carl. Thanks so much for your time. No problem, Nick. Good luck. Bye bye. Well, yesterday's Wood Ditton winner in the colours of the Niarcos family, trained by Sir Michael Stout, was most impressive. Passenger, the horse's name. Now, obviously, with the Wood Ditton, you don't really know whether the race is great because none of the horses have ever run before. But all the top stables were represented. All the sexy pedigrees were there. And this horse strode right out in the hands of Ryan Moore and got some good notices from a pretty self-effacing trainer afterwards. Now, Ulysses, the sire of Passenger, raced in these colours and has been standing at Cheveley Park Stud uh, since his, his retirement. The, the stud have supported him hugely, as of the Niarcos family, and the results are now really beginning to come through as his, uh, uh, as his three-year-olds and older horses start to develop. You saw Mighty Ulysses last year, Piz Badil last year, White Birch, winner of the same race, got a big notice from trainer uh, John Murphy on this podcast a few weeks ago. You've just heard about Holloway Boy doing a good piece of work from Carl Burke. Chris Richardson from Cheveley Park Studs on the line now. It was always going to be a slow burn, Chris. Um, can we put some kindling on the fire now, do you think? 
Oh, good morning, Nick. Yes, it was always, as you say, it was going to take a little bit of time. Um, um, but, uh, you know, we, we believed uh, 100% in this horse and um, we've given 100% to, to, to promoting him, to supporting him. And, um, of course, as have our partners, uh, the Niarcos family. And it's exciting to see uh, now that they, you know, his, his first crop turning four, two roles that showed um, potential are, are now... Uh, three-year-olds and 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 the um, and the whole thing is just sort of falling into place once again. But he's a he's a horse that we've struggled a little bit this year um, to 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 get the support of breeders. Um, although we feel that uh, uh, you know he is um, just um, you know one of those solid horses that uh, represents a terrific value at ten thousand pounds for, uh, for for a nomination. You see. I, and I, I, I understand how you might be feeling and you might not have covered as many mares as you wanted to th- this year so far. But I think solid slightly damning and with feigned praise on the evidence that I, I'm looking at here with all these horses with racing post ratings of over 100. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's astounding. Um, you know, we've been advertising the horse and, and, and promoting and telling everybody exactly, you know, what, what the progeny are doing. It was so exciting to see White Birch um, will win the Ballysax um, horse that we bred, um, put through the sale, made a lot of money as a foal, um, you know, and and, uh, and obviously this weekend, um, you know, we're, we're thrilled um, that Passenger won so impressively. And uh, as you say, I had been watching him um, with Sir Michael, so it was quite fun to see the, the, the fact that he came out and, and, and won so impressively. So there's so much going for the horse, so many different horses, um, and um, you know, Piz Badil is, is um, um, very, very much pleasing. Uh, Alan Cooper, um, and uh, there's uh, you know, t- terrific, um, you know, p- um, sort of. Uh, you know momentum that is mm. that is just continuing to build yeah exactly and it, it, we ought to sort of make the point that you know it's not galileo he wasn't a slow burn but he was a slower burn than people remember now and this horse by galileo out of light shift i'm looking at the crosses with your own stallions i mean the pivotal cross which is crucial for you because you've got so many pivotal mares seems to be working really well at holloway boy guanso mr allen relentless voyager wandering rocks all rated over 90 and most of those up over 100 all out of pivotal mares how much how how important is that to you Oh, it's been huge. I mean, and that was, of course, the reason that um, uh, David Thompson and you know, uh, you know, was was so insistent that um, uh, that he that he wanted to secure the horse, and and it was such a such a perfect fit for for, for us. And we'd seen how well Galileo had mm. uh, crossed on Pivotal, um, and uh, we're confident that um, the cross should should. Um, you know, should 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 repeat itself, and and I suppose you know everybody thought potentially uh, being by Galileo out of uh, an Oaks winner that um, they might need a lot more time and and might stay stay stay. But in point of fact, they're showing a lot of precocity, and um, although. Ulysses only ran once as a two-year-old, um, which wasn't surprising. Trained by Sir Michael, um, but he won his maiden by nine lengths, uh, um, which was uh, just sort of indicated the sort of huge talent that he had, and which I think he's passing on, uh, which is so exciting. Well, there can't be too many better ways of spending ten grand. I, I, some might disagree, but I mean that's the way it appears to me at the moment. Chris, thanks so much for your time this morning. Best of luck with him. All right, Nick. Thanks. Bye now. Uh, Chris Richardson there from Cheaply Park Stud, and. Uh, I keep my fingers crossed that, that Ulysses can succeed as a as a stallion, or he's already succeeded, but can can garner more kind of commercial interest because his results are good uh, as things stand. Jonathan Harding rejoins me. Jonathan, uh, what else have you seen this week that has that has impressed you? I mean, first of all, were you impressed by Passenger in the Wood Ditton? 
I was very impressed, very impressed. And he has that typical look of a Sir Michael Stout, sort of late improving, coming as a three-year-old. Um, he was sort of making his presence known in the paddock, wasn't he? He was quite a vocal, this son of Ulysses. But I, I just thought it was a really impressive performance. He took the dip easily. He scored really well. And I just think he's one that will just improve. The further they go, the more he'll improve. And he's definitely in the right stable for one that has that kind of potential. Yeah, I enjoyed the the, the, the stouty interviews yesterday with uh, Matt Chapman on ITV and Lydia Hislop on Racing TV. Um, Matt said to him that the horse was making a lot of noise. And he just looked at him and said, so do you. Or worse yeah, he's, he's he's great for a one-liner, isn't he? And um, yeah, sometimes you want just, more than one line. That's the problem. Well, yeah, that is the issue. You'd love for him to come out and say, you know, this is the second coming of Ulysses, and he's going to win everything. But that's not really his style. It's always like, we kind of associate yards with different approaches, and his, to my mind, is always fairly slow and steady. And you kind of reap the rewards further down the line. And this looks like a, another potential. Uh, horse that would go down that route but really really encouraging yeah he, d- he definitely had a little bit of flash about him i thought which was a an encouraging sign what did you think of canberra legend who won the field and stakes for james ferguson he he looked as though he he would stay at stay a distance of ground and and do so do so at quite a high level no i completely agree and connections have got that wonderful headache of whether he goes for something like the 2000 guineas as a bit of a dark horse whether he could mix it with the likes of august rodan over a mile would be slightly up in the air for me but he looks as though he is a stayer through and through you think he's got an entry in the dante i obviously don't train racehorses and don't own him but the dante seems like that might be the logical route for him with a view to the derby and and perhaps staying slightly further again after that, but it was it was a great result for for James Ferguson. You mentioned earlier that Indestructible was a a compliment of sorts to Chaldean, who beat him twice last year. Notwithstanding the the softish ground and the likelihood of further rain, do you expect Chaldean to comfortably see off his rivals in in tomorrow's Greenham Stakes here at Newbury, or or, or do you think he's got a bit more on his plate than the market's suggesting? I expect him to win because the form's there as a two-year-old, provided there's not been any mishaps and he's trained on as they would expect him to have trained on. I can see him winning very comfortably. But I don't, like you say, I don't think it is a completely... It's not a penalty kick by any stretch of the imagination. This name, Knight, uh, for Simon and Ed Crisford, I keep hearing an awful lot about him. He's a course and distance winner. Of course, he's not won the same sort of calibre of races. He won the Horace Hill last year nicely under david egan if he's improved if if, you know if he's improved more for the winter then he can might be able to serve it up to him a little bit but i think Chaldine is is the one and i think he's going to be the big british hope heading into the 2000 guineas then he'll just have the small matter of uh aiden o'brien's contenders all right, Jonathan, a bit of news just dropped, courtesy of uh, your newspaper, The Racing Post. Reporter Liam Head reporting that Australian new superstar Animo will not run at Royal Ascot this summer. Godolphin have retired the nine-time Group 1 winner after that defeat, heavy defeat, at the hands of William Haggis's Dubai Honour the other day. Um, James Cummings said, it's been an immense honour and privilege for our team to care for Animo, guide him through his racing career. His health has always been our top priority. We take pride in retiring him in such great condition. You do wonder whether that... Uh, humbling at the hands of uh, a mezzanine level 
uh, you might say, European performer has made them think again about whether it's worth having his reputation exposed uh, in Europe? Yes, I mean, very possibly. It certainly would have been a factor in that decision. I'd imagine, you know, I don't think they'd be the type to necessarily, well, it's Godolphin. I I can't see them probably shying away from a rematch at Royal Ascot if the horse was 100%, but if the horse is anything less than that, having already lost well, they might, they might have just, in that fashion. Yeah, well, they might have just recalibrated their expectations of him slightly, I suppose, and there's a, enough horses up here to to do the job. All right, well, we mustn't forget about the big jumps race this weekend. It is, of course, the Coral Scottish Grand National at Air, and I'm very pleased to welcome to the show Alistair Ralph, whose Magna Sam was a sparkling winner of uh, a big race at Musselburgh, the Edinburgh Grand National, on his debut for the Yard, and has been safe for this race. I'm guessing ever since. Is that right, Alistair? You've been you've been laying the horse away for for this since since that win over three seven at Musselburgh. Yeah, that's sort of been the plan since uh, Edinburgh. Um, that's sort of been planned for for him to go here. It seems a good option for him, and he, he likes he likes the better ground. So it's a good option for him to come here, yeah. Uh, he looked a bit of a revelation on his first start for you. What were you expecting when you got him? Um, obviously, he had a good season before he came to us. and uh, But, yeah, it, the way he worked with us, his work being impressive with us, and we've been pleased the way he came and fitted into the yard and fitted into our routine. And, and you say his work had been good. It's quite unusual to hear somebody eulogise about a horse's work when they are... Uh, an extreme stayer. Did you actually think he would get three miles seven, or or the the guts of four miles? Um, yeah, it, 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 obviously he's been work been good, but he gave the impression when watching his previous runs that he would get a bit further. So um, it was obviously a big big ask for him, but we were pleased with his homework going into the race. Um, so yeah, we we're quite hopeful. And I suppose the thing about this is, you know, big field like this, is he street wise enough for it? Is he a horse who's going to mind the the hustle and bustle where they where they race so tight? Well, that's probably the question mark. Obviously, we've got on him, but he he's been he, he seems a very very easy horse to take to that scenario. He travels well. He's on the way up there now as we speak. Um, but he, he seems a horse that travels well up there and takes everything in his stride. And um, he's been obviously been around for a while. So hopefully that that, that will take it in good step. And is he the sort of horse you think can just get out there and be quite positively ridden? Often that's a tactic that pays dividends, particularly round air if the ground's drying out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he likes to be positive. Um, and Alex obviously knows him quite well. He's ridden him a couple of times before. Um, so yeah, it, it's something we're, we're definitely we'll be definitely up there. And, uh, he jumps very well and takes it all. He travels travels well, and it, and that, that that's sort of the plan, really. Sounds like all systems go for 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 a bold run. Is there fairly tangible excitement around the yard about the possibility of having a a real one in a big race like this? Yeah, it is. It's big for us. Obviously, we're improving all the time, season on season, improving our quality, and it's, it's good to have a horse in a, in a race like this. It's uh, good buzz around the yard, so everyone's very excited. All right, Alistair, best of luck. Cheers, Nick. Thank you. Well, if you are a consigner of breeze-up horses at this time of the year, you need eyes in the back of your head and you'll be chasing your tail, to mix my metaphors. Um, Mick Murphy's with me now. He consigns under the name Long Ways Stables. He's got nine in at Doncaster next week off the back of a successful uh, Craven Breeze up sale for him as well 
and uh, and he's with me now. I think from Goffs, I'm guessing. I'm guessing you've you've headed up to Goffs. You're in Doncaster. I can hear a bit of whinnying and and roaring in the background. Mick, uh, how are you holding up? First of all, uh, tired, Nick. Tired. <laughs> I'm I'm a bit of a box walker at the sands. I don't uh, I don't sleep well at the sands. Um, so I've had very little sleep when I was in Newmarket. Um, not from partying or anything like that. I'm just um, don't sleep well when I'm at the sands. It's all right. It's fine. You. You can get your excuse. You can get your excuses in first, Mick. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I, I leave my wife to look after drink inside of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sarah's more accustomed. Sarah's more accustomed to that than than myself. Um, no, I'm a little bit of a warrior at the scenes, but it's just the nature of the beast. Um, yes, I'm in, I'm in Doncaster. Um, came up from Newmarket. Drove up from Newmarket uh, yesterday evening, and the horses arrived at ten thirty last night. So we just um, just have two left exercises this morning. Now we're we are uh, we breakfast time then for myself and the team. So and it's so important you keep these horses in one piece. You want them to show themselves off with a cracking breeze on Monday. You look at your your draft now of nine. What are you seeing? What do you like? What are you seeing? And why have you chosen these horses for this sale? Well. There's a combination there, you know, a lot of these, I hope, you know, they're, they're your shopper earlier types of, of horses. So, uh, like, we've big draft of horses this year. We've 35, 36 to, to breeze, so for, for the whole, between all the same. So we have to try and split them up um, as best we can. And Doncaster has been a very happy hunting ground for me. Um, like we sold Al Ray here, to, she's the top price flat horse ever sold here. Like, so it's been a very lucky place for us. So um, I get out very well with the Goffs team. They're a good team to work with. So uh, I always like to send a couple of nice horses here. So you, hopefully this week I've done the same thing. You've got a lovely mix of pedigrees as well. I mean, we talked earlier in the week about the impact that Blue Point is already making, and you've you've certainly one of those for this sale. Yes, I have a Blue Point out of a Kodiak mare, and one of the Blue Point winners uh, this week is out of a Kodiak mare as well. Um, this horse was actually, originally I was going to go to the Craven with him, but it was just... Uh, at close of entering, there was 15 uh, Cody, or, Cody, or Blue Pints in the Craven, so I changed changed them up here for, on the lastminute.com. I just whipped them out and, and sent them here instead. Okay. So, um, so, so there's going to be so many down there, but uh, on his homework, he should breathe very well. So he, he, he could be the, the big fish, and Jane and I were speaking yesterday about the qualities that, that these Blue Points seem to, seem to possess. What else are you really hopeful for? Hopeful for them all, but I have a dark angel filly. Um, uh, she was a work companion with a zoo star filly that I sold to the Craven um, earlier this week. That that breeds exceptionally well. She was the third fastest of the Craven, and this filly is our work colleague. And um, going by her whole work, I would expect her to breeze very well. And after this, where where do you where do you head after this? Uh, I go home for a couple of days, and then I'm back to Newmarket with five and go straight for Newmarket to Arcana with ten <laughs> and we've few left, left for Goldsbridge then so it's it's it is very intense but you know it's of course that's what I like the intense, intensity of it actually once once we get there once we get to the sales while I said I'm not best sleeper I do enjoy it I do enjoy enjoy the the, the adrenaline of it and you know it's a high risk high reward but I, I do enjoy doing it but well, I'm very lucky. I have a good team like Sarah's at home to look after the fort, and uh, seven of the lads they do a great job at home. And I have a very good team with me here at the sales. So um, I just have to keep my eyes, eyes, 
and he is open and keep an eye. The lads look after the horses and I just have to make sure that everyone sees what they need to see. All right. Best of luck, Mick. Thanks so much for talking to me. Nick, thank you very much. All right. Thanks to all my guests today. Jonathan Harding still with me and has a tip for you for this Friday afternoon. Uh, I'm looking at the 425 at Newbury, the Dubai Duty Free, full of surprises, handicap. And I like the chances of number four, Lord Uhtred for Charlie Hills. The yard's been in absolutely sensational form already this season, hit the ground running. And this Kempton winner from last September should have a very nice chance under David Egan. All right, Jonathan, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. That was Friday, April the 21st from a rather grey Newbury. It's bye for now. See you on Monday. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.